Hi and welcome to the final whistles Premier League Weekly presented by Live Now. He clung on as long as he could, but a humiliating 4-1 loss to Watford meant that Ole is no longer Manchester United's man. What next? We discuss. And we also review a tremendous weekend of football in the Premier League, which saw 36 goals scored across 10 matches, which included perfect starts for Steven Gerrard and Dean Smith, and a not-too-happy one for Eddie Howe. All this and more on the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly, presented by Life Now. What's up everyone? I'm Raushan. And I'm Deepan. Raushan, I'm so tempted to skip trivia today because we have so much to get through (laughs) and get off our chest. But I'm here to keep you on your toes as always and after weeks of taking it easy on you, I wanted to wrap things up here today. Just Uh, bring it. My question is, only three teams have ever survived relegation having been bottom of the Premier League table at Christmas. I'm asking this simply because I think Newcastle are at the bottom, right? Which are these three teams? Wow. Bon- bonus point for telling me which years. Oh, which years? No, no, I, I aim for basic points first, <laughs> then we talk about bonus. Which teams? Uh, West Brom? Okay. I, I remember Kieran Richardson went on loan there and it was mad, that's why. That was Brian Robson who was the coach, no? Yes, yes. Mm. Can you give me a bonus point? <laughs> <laughs> okay, West Brom. Um, uh, wow. Um, I'm not going to get all three. Lah. I'll come back to you. Okay, fine. Uh, but right now, what do we have? Let's uh, now, let me spend some time thinking about your trivia. But in the time, let's look, in the meantime, let's look ahead to the news of the week, which coincides with our live now match of the weekend, which was Watford versus Manchester United. It's been uh, it's been very bad for a long time, I think. Uh, in a club like like Manchester United, uh, we have to be fighting for trophies, fighting for for big big things, and and to be honest, we are far from 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 there. So that was, of course, David De Gea's damning post-match interview uh, with Sky Sports after the embarrassing four-one loss to Watford. Uh, very quickly, uh, Raushan, before you know, we move along. How, how do you summarize you know what's happened so far uh, under Ole's reign um, do you feel like I mean you of course told me a long time ago that he had to go uh, I took some time before I got into that camp uh, how do you feel at the moment well it's a good thing you put here one minute each only because it might go on for longer you rarely put time notes so I can see why you've done it but uh, to answer your question yeah I think with Ole it had to happen uh, not whenever I said it or anything like that. But even after the Liverpool loss, it was already pointing towards that. And even now, the sentiment on the ground is is not of surprise, but rather, oh, okay, finally it's happened. And the bigger thing is, why did they have to wait for the Watford game? They could have used the two-week international break to sort out the managerial situation. I mean, the interim's not doing too bad, but they could have handled it better, I feel. That's the biggest problem with how everything has transpired. And I think it's a lot of anxiety now to see this interim and then there's an interim interim and then there's a long-term plan. Is there really a long-term plan? I'm not so sure. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, be- before I give my own thoughts, I just want to introduce uh, the guest that we have for, for today's show. Uh, he's, of course, a Manchester United fan, Vignesh. Welcome to the show. Uh, I-, I want to introduce him first because I uh, just want to give a bit of context. So, uh, Vignesh is, of course, my friend on Facebook and I've seen him post uh, plenty of times after United uh, United's defeats about how he feels uh, Ole is not good enough or he's always been against Ole in that sense. And I'm from a camp where I've always supported uh, Ole and his reign throughout the time until it got to this season. I think fairly early on, I, I, I did recognize that something was wrong. So uh, to me, when I look back on Ole's reign, what has made me proud was the fact that since uh, Ferguson left, I think Ole's reign coincided with the fact that we were playing 
football the way we want United to play because as much as people talk about uh, Jose Mourinho's reign, I didn't enjoy watching them. And and when I look back, look back at Ole's reign, I, I remember things like uh, the wins against Leeds, the nine 0 win against Southampton, PSG, that, the, the night against PSG where he was free flowing. You knew that United would score goals. But I'm not convinced the PSG one was free flowing. No, 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 I'm not talking about PSG. I'm talking yeah. about generally. Okay. I think there were a lot of games where we were free flowing with yeah. our football. Uh, but this season is a departure, total departure from what we have expected under Ole. Even the 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 team Ole should admit that this season is nothing like, not even Manchester United level, but a proper Premier League top half level. It has not been at all. I mean, the very fact that against Watford, the 4-1 scoreline flatters United, yeah, no? Yeah. I, I, I think without De Gea or without certain uh, bad finishing for Watford, it could have been worse. And That's that, the story of most of our season, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that to me, like like you like you say, it's far too late that we sacked Ole. Um, but now we've got to look forward and that's where I want to bring uh, Vignesh in. Uh, Vignesh, of course, you, you've watched uh, United all through these last few years. Sorry, yeah, before you look forward, Vignesh, just very quickly, mm. sorry about yeah. this. Do you think Ole then overachieved, therefore set himself up for failure this year in the past years? Because I see him talk a lot about Ole, so I just want to get that out of the way first. I mean, I feel like Ole has done well, right? With whatever has been given to him, he's achieved the targets that the board one, you know, get the Champions League qualification, remove into the final rounds of the cup competitions and all that. But I feel like, has he overachieved? I don't think so. Because he, he has, especially I feel like the, the resources that have been given to him, they've backed him all the way, mm. they've spent money. I feel like they spend more on, they've given him more than what Mourinho had wanted. Like Mourinho wanted Maguire, mm. he didn't get Maguire mm. and all that. But then I feel like at the end of the day, you, like what Michael Owen said, you know, you buy players, but you buy players without a system. Mm. You just buy players and then you try and figure out what you're doing. And I feel like that's what hindered him in the sense that he thought, okay, I'll get him in, I'll figure out what I can do, I'll figure out what I can do. And I feel like when we talk about, oh, this season we have been playing badly, I feel like we have played badly all the while, but we managed to pull through in those games. Like I feel like the only thing that has changed from last season to this season is the fact that in the games that we have played badly last season, we managed to, in the second half, somehow Bruno scores one. Mm. Cavani comes in, mm. gets the goals for us, mm. we win the game. And I feel like this year, it does, hasn't happened. So the optics has changed and people are looking at it and going, oh, we're not playing well. But I feel like, okay, we haven't been playing well, but we have managed to pull through. Paper over the cracks yeah, for a long, yeah. long time. For a long time, or at least for his whole reign, I feel like. At least in the initial stages, the football was great. And when he was the interim, I felt like the football was some mm. of the best. There was some form of identity to it. Mm, correct. Yeah. And the thing was, he was switching it up against the bigger teams, yeah. like against Chelsea and all. Mm. You, you, you couldn't predict what Ole was going to do. But I, I said, after the after the PSG, I felt like was the start of the end mm. in a mm. sense because after that you saw the dip. Mm. He picked almost yeah, too he soon. He picked too Ole. early, yeah. and I felt like we rushed into that decision, an emotional decision mm -hmm. one. But I felt we rushed into a decision that didn't have to be made. Like we didn't have to give Ole the job at that point because nobody was going to say Ole, please come and be my manager. No mm. other club would have said it at that point. All yeah. them, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's the only club, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I felt like we rushed into that when we could have said, okay, let's give it till the end of the season. We'll figure it out then. And then we go from there. Mm. But then I felt like maybe the Glazers felt like, oh, they needed some brownie points. Yeah. You needed the fans to come back on your side. Mm. And Ole was like the perfect foil for that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because you know that, okay, Ole is not going to, he's not volatile. He's not going to come out and say, oh, the Glazers didn't give me this. Or the Glazers are not spending enough. Like and, yes man almost. Yeah, he's yeah. Ole is a very... Yeah. Yeah. But, but when, yeah. I, when I look at, at Ole's reign, right, one thing that I have to say is that I think year on year, to me, I saw progress. In mm. a sense where we were not anywhere near uh, challenging for like a title. We did finish second year, far off City, of course. But the fact that we were getting into finals, semi-finals, I thought, okay, finally we are there or thereabouts. So to me, I was looking, I was really looking forward to this season. Yes, I did say the South is that I don't think we will win the title, but I was looking forward to the next step we're going to take. But we're not 
we didn't even just make a next step. We we fell so hard, mm. you know, so mm. far from what we were doing. So that that was why there was such disappointment for me, and which is why after the Liverpool game, to me, there was no way he can continue because yeah. it's a total departure from what we believed in. Now going back to the Watford game, of course. Uh, what are some things that you know you saw that you were synonymous with his reign? I mean, to me personally, I thought you know we started off very nervously. I think a lot of times where we couldn't even hold on to the ball for a few passes. And this is against a Watford team that clearly saw the deficiencies in our squad where they were doing targeted pressing on mm. in certain individuals of the of the thing. So from there, what my next question would be is, what are some problems now that needs to be addressed? Raushan, start with you. Wow. <laughs> where does the list start? What are some problems on the pitch, like, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Wow. On the pitch, I mean... At the start of the season, you use this analogy that has stuck with me, this donut analogy. And yes, there's a gaping hole in the middle of that United team. I'm sorry, but yes, uh, even with Carrick's first game, he used McFred in the middle, somehow got the result. But it's not a midfield pairing that fills me with confidence. In fact, I read a tweet that the United bench has a stronger midfield pairing than the United team on the pitch. Mm-hmm. The United bench being Darren Fletcher and Michael Carrick. <laughs> and yeah. that is sadly true because they possibly could do a job and I think that's the biggest deficiency and you talk about Ole being backed, right? I almost feel like he was backed but with a lot of players who weren't necessarily his top choice and that had a part to play in yeah, his demise. Not Vendabic, just Ronaldo. Vendabic would have never been his choice. I'm exactly. sure. Yeah. I'm sure Ole never wanted yeah. Vendabic. It's so clear. Right? And I mean, clear as day because he never plays him. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, and ironic that Vendabic went on to score that uh, late goal for uh, United, right? In that 4-1 defeat. But yeah, that's where the biggest problem lies on the pitch. But I think there are bigger problems than that. Uh, the on-pitch problem is still manageable, provided the higher-ups do something about it. And I think that's where more focus needs to turn to. Right now, the season is still very we are very early into the season, you know. There's still football left to be played. So they need to get this interim appointment right. Like Vic said, if they're going to... For example, if Carrick goes on a run and then... They think, oh, Carrick's not bad. Maybe he'll do until we get a Poch or we get a Ten Hag. Then we're going to set ourselves up for failure again if we if we go down that road. You need someone to come in and do a clean-up job now. Ole came in after Mor- Mourinho's toxic reign to do the clean-up job. Somehow, you call someone for a clean-up, you make them your wife. A bit <laughs> weird, right? Yeah. So, similarly, whoever is coming in for a clean-up job now needs to know that they're there for the clean-up job or go out, break the bank and get Pochettino and then... That way, at least you can move forward as a team. Yep. Uh, Vignesh, I just want to bring you in here. I mean, one of the things or rather theories as to why United haven't performed this season has been aimed at Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, which I slightly agree with. I don't agree wholeheartedly, but I do feel that uh, Ronaldo was a signing that wasn't needed in a sense where I think we had to make the signing because he was probably going to City and there's no way out. You've got to sign him because if you went to City, I think there'll be bigger course, problems yeah. for, for Manchester United. For a PR, PR perspective for the Glazers, yep. they would have never recovered. Yeah, that, and, right? and to me, I think when you look at the... Because people's uh, like retort to this point will be, but he's been scoring for you. I mean, he's uh, won you the game against Villarreal. He's won you the games against uh, Atlanta. But I think he poses a bigger structural problem which can be solved by... a good coach. So a good coach will come in and say, you know what, Ronaldo is the first member in my lineup. How can I build around him in such a sense where uh, he's off the ball, deficiencies don't affect us so much. But Ole, I think, never did I that. think that's where Ole was tactically naive. He, I think Ole, the Ronaldo signing was forced upon him, right? Yeah. But instead of going back to the drawing board and saying, okay, we got Ronaldo, what do we want to build around him? 
He just took out the striker from last year, put Ronaldo yeah, there, yeah. and say go out and do the same. And it doesn't work that and way. Yeah. Clearly, it doesn't yeah. work, right? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. because I think yeah, Ronaldo has scored almost all our goals. He saved our Champions League campaign, right? Mm. To be honest, mm. right? But I think I think I told Raushan this. Like, I feel like when Ronaldo was signing for United, I said I think he will be the cause for Ole losing his job, mm. right? Mm. Because the fact is that Ronaldo is not a player that we necessarily need at this point. Yeah. Because you talked about, we were talking about, oh, we just signed Sancho for 70 million. So he's going to play out wide. So that, that was where we were saying, okay, this means Greenwood is going to play down the middle, right? And that's what we we're talking about. And then suddenly when you see Ronaldo coming, you go, okay, so where is Greenwood going? So if Greenwood is going out to the right, so what happens to Rashford? What happens to a Martial? You got so many other Sancho. options. Sancho, yeah, yeah. You got so many other players out there in those positions. And it feels like, oh, it's just like an afterthought. Like, okay, let's just bring back Ronaldo. We'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, but then again, like you say, it's, there was also no alternative. You couldn't have let him go to City as well. So I, I feel like at the end of the day, it also is reflective of uh, United as a club at the moment where they make decisions that don't quite benefit the football. Yeah, the brand. The they brand. Make, yeah, they they benefits the brand yeah, more than yeah. the football team. Uh, and, and like I said, people like to use the retort that, but oh, is Ronaldo, how can you say this? But the thing is, I think the proof is in the pudding. You look at last season, uh, despite the fact that teams around us wasn't great and all, but United were the second best scorers in the league. And had the third best defense. Yeah. Right now, I think United have the third worst defense. Yeah. Yeah. And what has changed? The defense line is the same. The midfield is the same. Uh, the attack, what has changed is Ronaldo coming in. And to me, I feel like, okay, I don't like to use this phrase if you know football, but in a sense where in football, <laughs> say it, say it, say it. <laughs> in, in football, they say it. <laughs> in football, there's tactics and systems and all. If one player comes in, there will be detrimental effects elsewhere on the pitch. And I think that's what we're seeing now. But just to move this conversation forward, now, of course, we're talking about someone coming in who will know how to uh, place these uh, people in the right spot, right? Before I talk about who's in the list, your own personal choice for starting from Vignesh. I think I'll, I'll go with Pochettino. I think I've always run with Pochettino. I thought Pochettino was the right guy that we should have gone for when we let go of Mourinho because you're going to rebuild, you're going to restart the whole thing. Start from zero, we're going to give the manager time and I thought he did a great job doing that at Spurs, right? You bring them from where they were to Champions League finalists. Not an easy task, especially the fact that I think he didn't sign players for three transfer windows. I think that was the guy we should have gotten. I feel like that's the guy we should be going for right now, you know? He's been in the Premier League, he knows how to improve players and I think that's one thing we sorely lacked under Ole. Maybe Shaw was the I feel like Shaw was the only player that got better. I feel like the rest of the players have regressed. Like, we are talking about one Bisaka not being good enough for United, but mm -hmm. that was an Ole signing. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Maguire not being good enough for United, also an Ole signing. Mm -hmm. So you can't, these can't be players that suddenly come here and then are not good enough or suddenly the form is deep because I feel like the coaches haven't done enough to make these players better. Like when somebody goes to a city, you know that Pep Guardiola is automatically going to give you another extra 10%, get mm -hmm. the 10% mm -hmm. out of yeah. him yeah. to make him a better player. You know Klopp is going to get another 10% out of the player to make him something better. But we don't see that with United. Every time they come to United, we look at it and we go, okay, he needs time. He needs time to figure this out. He needs to settle down. But then it never happens because you realize, I think the coaching staff have played a huge part. So you need somebody like Pochettino has come in. He's improved guys like Dele Ali. He's made Harry Kane a world-class striker. Hmm. And I think we need somebody like that who can do that with the talent we have. Yeah, Pochettino made uh, Eric Dyer look like he's the next next best thing yeah, for... Yeah, Bayern wanted Eric Dyer. <laughs> yeah, 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 That's crazy. For that alone... United wanted Eric Dyer. Well, <laughs> we're willing to pay 40 million United for that. United wanted a lot of people. <laughs> no, but to, to, to Vignesh's point, I think one thing that's uh, interesting is... Uh, one example that comes to my mind is of course Thomas Tuchel. Right? I think when he took over at Chelsea, a lot of underperforming players. Suddenly, uh, Marcus Alonso looked great. And in recent times, uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek seems like he's uh, become the new... The way yeah, Tuchel uses his squad is amazing. Amazing, yeah. Like, just the depth. Yeah. 
I think, sorry, I think United have that much depth in their squad. They just need someone to come in and tap on it. Yes, and and to me, I feel like that's why we need somebody who's going to come in and like like what Vinay said, bring in the 10 to 20% extra that these players have. Because to me, look, I know people criticize me for backing Maguire so much, but I cannot believe that someone who was so impressive at Leicester that Pep Guardiola wanted him. Someone who's been so impressive at the There's national... There's a team here. City want a player, we get the player, then he bombs. Yeah. Uh, Sanchez. 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 Maguire. Yes. To a lesser extent, Ronaldo. Ronaldo. And uh. to me, I feel like in a proper system, Maguire will work well because to, to have paid so much for him clearly saw something. Clearly Pep Guardiola saw something. Clearly Brendan Rodgers saw, uh, Rodgers saw something in him to be playing. Yeah, and and he, was ex- <laughs> he was excelling so much at Leicester. So to me, I feel like him... Even Luke Shaw, I think, can regain back form. And a lot of these uh, fringe players, I would say, the likes of Alex Telles, uh, even your Anthony Marshalls, I still feel we can persist with them. Look, if Fred was now playing for Jurgen Klopp, do you think he would, don't you think he would be one of their better players as of well? Of course. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. feel I can see that happening because yeah. you look at players like Nabi Keita or Alex Oxlade Chamberlain or even your English guys like. Uh, uh, Jordan Anderson. No, Jones. Yeah, Jones. Yeah, Curtis Jones. Yeah, nobody yeah. knows much about him, but yeah. he comes into the team and he works. He works. Because yeah, he there is a system. Yeah, there's a yeah. system yeah. there. So yeah. I really, I'm not giving up on any of these United yeah. players. Yeah. I still feel, yeah. even the likes of McTominay and Fred, yeah. who I criticize so much, yeah. I still think someone new can come in and do a job and get the best out of them. 100%. I think it's all about bringing someone who has a system. One of my biggest uh, gripes with Ole is there was too much ode to the past. It's always, oh, we used to do this, this, the United way. I feel football has evolved from that. Yes, that's the reason probably why I started supporting Manchester United because they were winning at that point. But whenever that happened to now, football has evolved so much. So with Ole, there was always this massive nostalgia. He's Ferguson's pupil. He knows what he's doing. I feel we need to move away from that slightly and work towards more modern football in a sense where you look at the likes of Pep, Jürgen, Thomas Tuchel, all have revolutionized the way football is played. And we need some manager of that ilk, a modern manager, to come in and take us out of the, the, the history books almost. Because right now, for a few years now, we are at a risk of sounding like a Liverpool fan when I was growing up. Because Liverpool used to harp on history. Liverpool fans used to harp on history a lot when I was growing up. Now you see they're having their day in the sun, right? Mm. So I think if we continue doing this, then we might go down that road. I really hope. That is addressed. And Pochettino is number one choice for me. In fact, I wouldn't waste time with an uh, interim manager. I mean, as long as Pochettino is willing to come, that's done. The, the money that's, is That's an assumption. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's what's being widely reported. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether it's true. Of course, media is media, right? But well, whatever, What do you mean by media is media? I mean, you know, sometimes people can Exaggerate. write things for, oh, for sensational headlines. Not in Singapore. Like, no, no, no. There's a certain Singaporean newspaper. So... <laughs> Asshole. No, no. But uh, seriously, I just think money should be secondary at this point. We, we, It's not like Manchester United don't have money. And another problem with this is Edward Ward. Is he going? Is he gone? Is he staying? There's so much, so much. This is my point earlier. There's so much wrong at the club that just the manager is not going to address it. We need to see a blueprint for success starting with a managerial appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you talk about this managerial appointment and it's of course not known yet whether it's going to be someone permanent. Uh, but based on the sta- statement that they put out, it seems to be it's going to be interim. The so statement asking for trouble, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think they set themselves up for failure with yeah? that kind of thing. You say, oh, we're looking, Michael Carrick will be the interim coach with us looking for another interim coach until the end of the season. So what are you trying to uh, like, 
Like they're trying to say that there was no plan. A club like Manchester United have no plan. No plan. Yeah, but I feel like they didn't. They weren't going to sack Ole. I felt like the Watford result forced but their even hand. Even if you don't want to sack your manager when he's under so much pressure, do you not need to have a plan? No, I, I think they probably thought they had more time. They you're thought, okay, we have end of season. You take holiday, you go Bali. Yeah. What's going no, on? No, he went to Norway. So, <laughs> yeah. So if let's say now, I mean, since they say it's interim, right? And let's just I'm putting in the scenario that Pochettino is not going to come midway through the season, and they want to have a stopgap till the end of the season. So that's basically saying that like, ah, uh, you just bring someone in, you'll try your try your best. But it's still early in the season. I feel we still have a chance in a Champions League. Naive, yes, but I still think we have a chance. Uh, you've got a chance to win an FA Cup. Uh, in the league, I think more or less top four is nowhere near guaranteed. You've got to no, get hundred percent. Really, yeah, yeah, we've got to get top four, right? So, who in your mind? Would you appoint right now as an interim? And I'm I'm putting Pochettino out because I'm saying that he might probably be the permanent appointment at the end of the season. Vignesh? I don't know. I feel I feel like that's a tough one, right? I, you don't see anybody out there that's going to come in and that's do the interim job. That's why I was pointing job. to yeah. Vic because like, I don't have a name. Yeah, you don't. I don't really see. You're going to say Steve Bruce, Mark Hughes. Like mm. I, you can't go that way. Enough with the nostalgia. Yeah, so I feel yeah. like the nostalgia is what's killing us, right? And that's why I'm scared with like Carrick. I'm I'm worried like oh if he goes on a run, what if they say oh let's get. Let's sign him on and mm-hmm. then he, he takes off. But I feel like you got to get rid of the whole coaching stuff. You need somebody fresh. So, like what Roshan said, get Poch in as soon as possible. You you can't be... Because you still have a chance at top four. We were at six points, seven points off. Mm-hmm. We put in a good run of form in December. We're back in the chase. Because this season has been hectic. Everybody's been... The results have just been all over the place for every team, right? And it's tighter than it's, it can be. So, I mm-hmm. feel like get Poch in or get somebody in to do the job permanently. We'll be there. Just fight. All right. For for me, I think uh, I, I'm looking at the season and, I, and I'm just saying that if Pochettino comes, yes, I'll be happy. I think uh, like both of you, he's my top option as well because I do think that he has shown his coaching caliber at Spurs. It hasn't worked out too well at uh, PSG, but that's PSG are a different beast in terms of what you have to manage there, right? But I think that when you look at uh, the matches that we have had against uh, some of the bigger bigger teams, right? We, we seem to always find a way under Ole previously, I mean, before this season, of course, uh, by being pragmatic and finding a way through that uh, spaces that we could find. So I would want someone to come in on interim basis to be someone who's going to come in and structurally organize us. Someone who's tactically robust, knows that, okay, we are going to play a certain way, fans are not going to enjoy it till the end of the season, but you will have a chance against Chelsea. Mm. You will have a chance against Liverpool. You will have a chance against some of the bigger teams in Europe. And I think in At that the moment, we just need a chance against Watford, bro. <laughs> yeah, but you know, yeah, we might struggle in those games. But I'm saying that, like in a knockout uh, okay. competition yeah, like Champions yeah, League, yeah. you need someone who has a who's give, who gives you the chance, even against the best teams. Yeah. And in that vein, uh, we of course saw in recent Champions League campaigns, Leon, who was so far off Manchester City, uh, beat Man- uh, eliminated Manchester City, and that was of course Rudy Garcia in charge. He's been a name that has been linked with uh, United in the recent uh, days. Another pl- another coach is of course Ernesto Valverde, who if you ask a lot of Barcelona uh, fans, they would say, "Oh, I hated him," but he he did win the league with Barcelona in a very pragmatic style. So I I feel like in this vein, I do think that United have a plan in terms of who they are speaking to because clearly like, they're going after coaches who have a tactical plan and who are in a way yeah for lack of a better word boring, but they are practical in what they produce. Mm. That means they're organized. They will come in and organize the team and maybe like like what we saw yesterday. Right? I told you where. Uh, against uh, Villarreal, the United backline seemed to be much deeper, uh, a bit more focused in terms of defending deeper. I feel like this is what the new manager might come in and do as well. So I do think personally, someone like Valverde or Rudy Garcia might come in and do that and give us a chance to do something uh, this season, win an FA Cup or go further uh, in the Champions League. Will you be happy with that? 
I mean, if you put it that way, where a manager comes in and gives a structure to the team, and the squad is not half bad, especially yeah. if everyone is fully fit, there are players there. You just need someone to do something decent with it, right? Then the two managers you mentioned make sense. They they would come in and I guess salvage the season. But again, I just feel we shouldn't be thinking about salvaging the season. We need to be thinking long term mm-hmm. here. So therefore, I'm not for an interim appointment, but I'm fully for getting Pochettino in the here and now. But if that doesn't happen, then I guess we can go down the interim route and bring in someone. And the two names you mentioned, Rudy Garcia and uh, Ernesto, uh, I guess it won't be so difficult if they are warming the seat for someone like Pochettino because there will there will not be an emotional connection with them. I guess we know clearly they are coming in to get a job done and they can do it. I, I do think top four is going to be very difficult because three of the top four places are already confirmed. Mm-hmm. And then you got Conte at Spurs. So whoever comes into Manchester United is going to go essentially toe-to-toe with Conte at Spurs and Ateta at Arsenal for that final fourth position. So it's going to be very difficult. I mean, all due respect to West Ham and all that, I don't see them lasting the course. Lah. But yeah, so whoever comes in needs to have a structure. And for that reason alone, perhaps those two names mentioned might make sense. Yeah, and to me, I just feel like the, the options that I mentioned, right, to me is by far a better option than keeping Carrick there uh, till the end of the season. I mean, yeah, people say, yeah, we looked better in that game against Villarreal. But to me, I think long-term-wise, if you want to achieve something, like I said, you need to go, as a fan, I want to go up against uh, a game against Chelsea, knowing that we have a chance. With Carrick, I really don't know. I really don't think so. But with like someone like Ernesto or like uh, Rudy Garcia, I might think, oh, that could be a tactical My plan. My only worry with that is they are nowhere near proven mm-hmm. in the English Premier mm-hmm. League. So is Rudy Garcia a Watford manager before? Uh, I don't no, think so. No. But I do also feel like the point here is how will the players react to that? They know like, oh, you're going to be in the job for six yeah, months. Yeah. That's so, a good point. These like, are yeah. the... Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I don't which, have which, is why, which is why you all say like, I mean, in the first place, we don't agree with yeah. uh, interim in the mm-hmm. first place, which, mm-hmm. I, which I agree with. And the oh. thing with Carrick is like, people are looking at him now and saying, but you were part of the problem. Exactly. The breakup is not clean, right? Like, you know I mean? If you are part of... And we are here things like Carrick and McKenna were yeah. the ones that were running the day-to-day sessions. They were the ones that were in charge of putting out the team and all that kind of thing. So when you hear stuff like that, you go, so what has changed now? Mm. In the mm. sense of, okay, Ole is gone. But the fact is the people that are the ones that are doing the day-to-day stuff are still there. Exactly. So yeah. how the players are not going to look at it and say, oh, this is a clean start. They're still going to look at it and go, okay, it's just that Ole is not here. But they're going to go through the motions. I felt that we saw that a bit yesterday, right? The first 20, 25 minutes, a bit. We were, we looked like, we were so unsure of what we were trying to yeah. do. It took us 60 minutes. The substitutions in the end, I think that was one thing Carrick got right, right? Yeah. Got the substitutions, the timing of it right, and then the tempo increased. Surprisingly, in that game against Villarreal, Unai Emery got his substitutions wrong and then Carrick yeah. got in, got it spot on and somehow we flipped the game. But yeah, again, Carrick doesn't fill you with confidence for the long term. So yeah. I really think they need to address it and they need to address it soon because December is going to be busy. Yeah, and, and of course, I think we can talk about United all day, but we've got to move on uh, to the other results in the Premier League. Uh, starting off with Leicester City against Chelsea. Of course, Chelsea 3-0 winners over Leicester City. Sorry, just have to ask, when is it time where we say Brandon Rogers could be in trouble here? Rogers out. Uh. Not Rogers <laughs> no, out, but, no, only out. You want Rogers but, out. Uh. But is there a possibility that if things continue the way they have? Because I can only remember that result against United being the mm. positive one for mm. them. But how long before we start saying Rogers could be in trouble? I think it would take something more dramatic than that. I think Rogers has earned himself a lot of time. I know you're not a fan of Rogers, but for me, I feel Rogers won the FA Cup and mm-hmm. then he won Community Shield for a club like Leicester. Okay, we can go back to the Premier League success, but this is their level, right? But if they drop off and then suddenly they find themselves in the bottom half of the table and within touching distance of uh, relegation, then I think the owners will start to panic a little. But apart from that, I do feel Rogers might stay on for as long as he's given to try and steady the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vignesh, coming to you now, 
Uh, Chelsea, of course, very, very convincing winners here. I think more than Leicester being bad, I thought Chelsea were fantastic. And again, midweek, uh, a fantastic win against Juventus. Did you foresee this? I mean, when Tuchel took over, do you foresee them to become such a force that they are now in the Premier League? And in your mind, are they the favourites now for the title? I think I think it's, man, it's still Man City's title, I feel. Mm. But then I felt like when we saw Chelsea at the start, when Tuchel took over, it was usually like 1-0, 1-0, 1-0. Mm. And you're thinking, oh, this team is just going to grind out results. But then suddenly this season, you see they've like opened up and they're playing so much more attractive football in a sense. And it feels like they're not even at 100%. You know, you've seen injuries. Lukaku is out. Timo Werner is out. But then they're still just going on and on and on. It's scary to see that. But I feel like at the end of the day, when I think when Pep might just... Pep showed how, how to beat Chelsea this year, right? He pressed them so mm-hmm. high up mm-hmm. that they didn't have time on the ball. And I feel like that's what's going to take. And I feel like if Chelsea lose to City again, then the title race is back on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what's going to happen because City seem to also be doing it at the same consistent level. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can't but- fight that kind of... a. I disagree because I feel City have their eyes more set on the Champions League. Hmm? I feel Chelsea already have the Champions League, right? And to be fair, both are world-class teams, so the title will go to either one of them. But at the moment, I feel the way Tuchel has oiled this Chelsea machine is unreal, bro. Like, just look at that squad depth. Like, last night against uh, Juventus. Juventus. Completely dismantled them. Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming off the bench, doing all those things. Like, the squad depth is just, you got Ross Barkley, who's a bit part player, suddenly playing a big enough role in that team. And the fullback game, I think, many years ago, Pep Guardiola reinvented the fullback game. I feel Thomas Tuchel has almost taken it to another level where both their fullbacks, unfortunately, Chilwell is injured, but both those fullbacks are their top scorers now. And it's not just top scorers, top assists as well. So, there's a lot to be scared of with this Chelsea side and I do think Chelsea are the team to beat. Yep, and we had a couple of uh, 3-3 draws uh, in the Premier League. Newcastle and Brentford as well as Burnley and Crystal Palace. Aston Villa on Steven Gerrard's debut uh, running out 2-0 winners over Brighton. <sighs> Watford uh, 4-1 winners over Manchester United. Don't talk about that. We haven't <laughs> spent any time talking. Uh, Wolves 1-0 winners over West Ham. Yeah, and Wolves seem to be on a trajectory yeah. up towards. Uh, Norwich City also uh, Dean Smith's uh, debut and 2-1 win for them. Told you Dean Smith will do it. Yep, and Man City, 3-0 winners over Everton. To me, Everton are looking uh, more and more woeful by, by the week. Do you take Benitez as an interim? <laughs> no <laughs> I mean, chance. he's as pragmatic as he gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. You won't get anybody as pragmatic. I yeah. mean, how to piss off Liverpool fans? First you manage Everton, <laughs> then you come and manage Man sure. And Antonio Conte's Spurs with a 2-1 win over Leeds United. Oh my God, the, the first half of this game was by far one of the worst halves of In Premier League football. Half was- Many people were saying what exactly did Conte say at halftime? Yeah, yeah, the second totally half transformed. Right? Yeah, but the game I want to talk about now in length uh, is Liverpool. Because you, sure? <laughs> you backed Arsenal. <laughs> Le- in the Liverpool game. for <laughs> Arsenal nil. Uh, I- I'll start off first. So I I, I I actually thought that Arsenal would have a chance in this game, uh, which they did for twenty minutes, uh, and then it all fell apart. To me, lucky that it's only four zero because Ramsdale had a barnstorming game and kept out Liverpool with some top, top-notch saves. Uh, but my question now is this. I, of course, had Arsenal quite high up in my regard and I thought, you know, this season they will quite do quite well. Uh, even though I did say the, the games that they won were against lesser teams, you would say. Uh, where does this result leave them? Do you think this result is a reflection of where Arsenal are at, where there's too much hype but nothing to show for in a sense? Or do you think that it's because Liverpool are just streets ahead? For me, it's because Liverpool are streets ahead. Like, I mean, I'm looking at the Premier League table here. Arsenal are still fifth. Mm. They are, what, three points off fourth place. Yeah. And it's very hard to 
wipe off the good work that Arteta has done. Yes, plenty will argue it was a winnable run of fixtures. That's where he gathered momentum. But regardless, maybe that is his level. And that level is okay for Arsenal. They're going to beat the smaller teams, but struggle against top-tier opposition. No, but struggle is fine. But to... Like like what United did uh, against United, right? Where they were so far off. And then I had to suddenly say, you know what? Ole, no go. Yeah, yeah. But this was so similar. But I, I looked at Arsenal's recent record against Liverpool. And it's always been this sort of a dismantling. So nothing has changed, like, basically. And essentially, yes. Yeah. And I think that's okay for Arsenal. Because I think with the players they have, this is the level they have. You bring up the comparison to United versus Liverpool. But with all due respect, Arsenal don't have as good a squad. They work better as a unit, clearly, not going to deny that, if not Arsenal fans will be after me. <laughs> but, they have a lesser squad than United on paper. Mm-hmm. And therefore, this is the level they're at. I don't think they expect to convincingly beat Liverpool or take the game to Liverpool. They don't expect to lose 4 nil, I accept that. But, I don't think they expect to beat them and therefore, it shouldn't straight away, one bad result, say Ateta, is out yeah. of his debt. Yeah. I think Ateta is doing something good with the tools he has. Mm-hmm. I think he was brave enough to say we'll play our way. You know, mm. We're not going to say or we're not going to play Liverpool's game. They try to play out of the back although it cost them the goals. Mm. But they were brave enough to say okay, we'll play our way and we'll see what we get out of it. But the fact is, yeah, Arsenal are nowhere near Liverpool at this point. But I feel like Ateta knows, okay, it's a work in progress. We're getting there. We're not going to get anywhere by, I think, trying to be conservative against these bigger teams, right? So we go out there, we play our game. If we get a result, we get. If we get hammered, then that's part of it. I feel like against, I think it was a much better performance. If you look at the Man City game against Arsenal, right? That felt like, okay, that was like 11 v 11 practice, attack versus defense. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like this one, Arsenal came out and said, okay, never mind, we'll try and play. But then you saw Tavares making those missed passes and all that. Then yeah, he just Tavares collapsed. had a shocker. Yeah, it was quite yeah. a bad game for him. But then you felt like, okay, but you still, you saw that they were still trying to do that. They were still playing out of the back. They weren't saying, oh, let's lob the ball forward. Hopefully we clear the ball and we get out of it, right? But I think that's going to be good for them long term because it shows that, okay, Arteta is a plan. We're going to stick with it. Hopefully it works. We get the right players in. And if, okay, we get hammered now, maybe in a season or two, we get better. We close the gap. We close the gap. And then we will eventually be back in the top four. Yeah, so so I agree with that notion, which is why I, I have felt that Arsenal are on a good uh, trajectory. I think they will improve as time goes. But to me, uh, to your point about how you say, you know, United don't have, uh, Arsenal don't have the same squad as United do. But then, Andy's the players that Arsenal fans hype up week after week Talking about Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka, uh, Gabriel and Ben White being some of the best defenders in the Premier League. Uh, they like to talk about Aubameyang being one of the best strikers. Thomas Partey gets into most midfields in the Premier League. So, I don't quite agree with the sense that they don't have the players. Uh, but to me, the, the question would be, how long do they trust the process before we start looking at them as a club that should be pushing Liverpool uh, City a bit tighter? Any of those names you mentioned, they don't get into the top three teams in the league i.e. City, Liverpool, Chelsea. None of those names mentioned. You don't think a party gets into Liverpool's midfield? I don't think so. Not based on... I mean, Klopp has this magic to make any midfielder work to his system, but based on Liverpool's strongest eleven, I don't think party is in there. Mm-hmm. Fabinho is definitely in there. Mm-hmm. So, already that position is occupied. So, that's my point here. I think Arsenal know the level they are competing at. Yes, all these exciting young players, Emil Smith-Rowe, Saka... Uh, ben White is fairly young so they are building for the future and I think for them uh, success is a good cup run and top four that's Ateta's aim and if he achieves that he will stay in a job okay uh, let's now move on to the fantasy radar we'll look at uh, who stood wait, up wait, from wait. A... before that yeah. can I just try the ah, trivia? trivia yes uh, the, so I said West Brom right yeah. Um, You've been Googling or what? No, no. It seems like it. <laughs> hey, I no. see the, I hey. see the movement on the scrolls. <laughs> Blackburn? Nope. Oh, fuck. Uh, Portsmouth? You want to name all the teams that are now in the championship <laughs> or what? No. Derby? 
No. Uh, Crystal Palace? No. <laughs> Just now you say West Brom, right? Yeah. Uh, West, West Brom is, West Brom is one like in 2004-2005. Yeah, 2004-2005. So bonus point. Your backstab. <laughs> <laughs> two, okay, two, okay. Come two back more later. Oh, later, later, yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, right now, Googling. let's move on to the fantasy radar where we look at who stood out from the FPL perspective. Alright, this is where we look at who stood out in the Fantasy Premier League. Uh, Rausha, I'll start with you. Uh, who impressed you? <laughs> Not myself. <laughs> hey, before, before I want to start, I right, just want to say, because uh, uh, I remember we started this uh, whole series, the Final Whistle Premier League Weekly with me branding myself as a king. Just for now, I'm going to relinquish my crown uh, until I get back into okay. any semblance so of... So, uh, can we give the crown to Nas for now? Uh, he's, no. He's above us? Because Nas is always bad. It's okay. just that now he's on a run, so I'm not going to give it... Last he, la. he hasn't He hasn't <laughs> earned it. La. Uh, okay. uh, you've got to be consistent okay. Okay. To, to earn so it. So, those of you listening, the crown is up for grabs. Yeah, the crown I'm is not going to win it. Deepen's yeah. definitely not going to win hey, it. No, no, no. no. I, I'm, still, I'm still waiting to get it. Okay. Yeah, Because uh, I finished more than 200 points above Nas last season, bro. Right? So, this season, I will be... History class. Typical United fan. I think soon, I'll be able to get it. I just need to clean up my squad a bit. Upon an interim, you know, clean it up a bit. But in the interim, let me tell you who stood out for me. Please, please. I can easily go down this road and tell you the one of the fullbacks, i.e. Cancelo, Trent or Rhys James. But I think very obvious. For me, I'm going to plumb for Aston Villa player who I think is going to come good under Steven Gerrard. Yes, his position is still a bit up in the air. But I feel Oli Watkins, despite not just scoring the goal, but he started on the left and then he... For that goal, he drifted in into the middle and then scored a fantastic goal. He looks like a player who's going to go on a good run. And I think Danny Ings might struggle because I don't... Maybe he's rushed back, you know, and a new manager comes in, suddenly you're like, uh, coach, I'm ready to play, coach. I don't think he's ready. So Oli Watkins might go into this festive period uh, trying to get some goals and I think he will. Especially because I feel I'm going to spend a lot of money on my defence. Uh, get one of those fullbacks I mentioned earlier. So I might... Try and get a cheaper striker and Oli Watkins fills nicely into that bracket. Alright, uh, what about you, Vinish? I think I'm going to go with Raul Jimenez for this week. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's like Wolves' main attack, right? You're going to look at him to get those goals, right? You're going to look at all deliveries. Whereas inside the box, and the finisher in the weekend, outside the box, you never would have thought that would have gone in, right? Yeah, yeah. But he managed to find it. And I feel like at his price range, I feel like because the strikers are so overpriced that you don't have any good value for it. It's either you're looking at Harry Kane at 12 million, Ronaldo at 12 million. Lukaku. Oh uh, yeah, Lukaku. Didn't you bring in uh, Harry Kane last week? How did that work out? <laughs> Not too good. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, and I feel like this season, those big name strikers have failed quite badly, right? I don't think anybody has gone on a run of form where you say, oh, I can justify paying 12 million on Ronaldo. Tony Scott though. Yeah, Tony Scott. Take your point. Not a big yeah. name striker. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I feel like the the ones in the value in those seven eight million, you're looking at Antonio, and I feel like Raúl Jiménez is another good for good value, and he's starting to pick up form after the injury. You know, he's starting to get into positions where you feel like okay, he might go on that run. And like Wolves, seem like they are picking up form at the right time. You know, they're going into the Christmas period with that form, and I feel like okay, this is the time you're gonna go for a striker from there. And also Wolves, I heard uh, recently they launched a documentary about Raúl Jiménez's uh, yes, injury. Yes. I haven't watched it, but apparently it's really. Uh, emotional so if I have the chance I'd like to watch it yep uh, for me I think the player that stood out for me was actually uh, in the last game of the week which was uh, Spurs against Leeds uh, Sergio Reguilón um, he called of- it King yeah, called it oh he- the former King called it 
But I didn't put him in. Oh. Oh. You never listen to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Last week, I, I don't ever listen to myself. Uh, okay. Tyron Minx also was another player I talked about last <laughs> week. <laughs> Clean sheet and a goal also, right? Yeah. yeah. This is my problem. Lah. Anyway, uh, Sergio Regular, I think his goal came from a set-piece opportunity where he followed up from uh, Eric Dyer free kick. Uh, but what's been impressive is that, I think what I mentioned last week as well, lah, the whole tactical game plan of uh, Antonio Conte where uh, one of the wingbacks will definitely be playing like a winger. And this was Sergio Reguilon. Uh, especially when you look at the fixtures that Spurs have coming up. They've got Burnley away, uh, Brentford at home, Norwich at home, and then Brighton away, and then Leicester away. Their next tough game is actually Liverpool, which is on uh, game week 18, which is still some way away. So I think not only are you guaranteeing, okay, I wouldn't say guarantee with Spurs, but you have a good <laughs> chance of uh, getting clean sheet. And with the way Reguilon has been playing, uh, you get a good chance to get goals or assists as well. So, Definitely a player who impressed from me. Uh, as always, listeners, if you agree or disagree with our choices, tweet us at T Final Whistle and tell us who stood up for you as well. Right now, we've got to look ahead to the matches ahead in the game week ahead uh, in Who's Next. Who's Next? Right, this is Who's Next where we look ahead to matches in the Premier League whilst also picking out some FPL assets to consider. For the forthcoming campaign, Live Now will offer single match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for football fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view passes for one fixture per match week. And Christmas is around the corner, so we're having a good giveaway. So why not try and win some free passes? Don't forget to go to our Instagram or Facebook page at Whistle to find out how you can win three free Premier League match passes each week for yourself. Uh, and this week's Live Now match of the week is, of course, Liverpool against Southampton. Um... Is it is this fairly straightforward? I mean, the last time we said this was uh, Liverpool against Brighton, where Liverpool and Enfield and, we, and me and Raushan were both like, eh, 3-0, 4-0, all the, the big scorelines came out. Is this going to be it for, for Liverpool? Is this the game where Liverpool run out really, really convincing uh, winners? I don't know about really, really convincing winners, but at Enfield, I think they would get the job done. Uh, they're playing midweek. Well, Liverpool are playing with a dead rubber, but still... No, they, they already guaranteed, uh, yeah, they guaranteed top spot as well, I think. So, But having said that, uh, I did hear a Klopp press conference where he said he might still struggle to rotate all 11 of his players. So somebody, some way or some shape or form is going to be involved. So there might be fatigue. But going up against Southampton, who recently lost to Norwich, and I'm just looking at Southampton's overall form. Okay. Sneaky couple of 1-0 wins uh, against Leeds, against Watford, against Aston Villa, but... I think this might be assignment a bit hard for Southampton and I expect Liverpool to win this. Yeah, what about you, Vinish? Do you, you see Southampton this? Southampton beat Liverpool like last year. The one where the manager mm. was oh, like crying. Yeah. Ah, crying yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I simply like... because it's a similar style, right? Oh, yeah. They have about pressing Keep, as well, which correct. might be uh, uh, beneficial for Southampton. But, but, but do you see... Uh, upset no, I think happening? Liverpool are going to run out comfortable winners. Yeah, I don't think Southampton have enough. And Liverpool just look too daily. You don't know where... The goals are coming from like suddenly you just see Alexander Arnold pumps the ball in out of nowhere you see Mane running into the box and gets a goal and like it feels so dangerous and I think I think Southampton are going to be in for trouble this week. All right, uh, Roshan, predictions time. Uh, your prediction plus your first goal scorer. Okay, I say this one. Sorry, uh, last week we we all predicted a United win right? against Watford. No, no, I said four one Watford, what? <laughs> and I also said. Maguire Ricard only to get the sack after. Oh, this one is a post-match review or? <laughs> Roshan, uh, just give us some tips. We might head to Singapore post <laughs> I say Liverpool 2-0. And your first goal scorer? My first goal scorer will be Diego Jota. Do you have him in your FPL still? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, yourself, Vignesh? I think 3-0. Maybe Mane with the first goal. Okay. Do you have Mane? No, I have Salah. Okay. <laughs> but I'm banking on an assist there. Okay, okay. Uh, 
for me, I, I think it's going to be a route. I think uh, I'm going with a 6 nil. Your reaction though. I'm going with a 6 nil. 6 nil, alright. I shave botak. You say, ah? You 6 nil, I shave You say, ah? 6 nil, ah? You say, ah? Okay. 6 nil, Liverpool. Next episode, I'm not coming. Mo Salah with the first goal. Okay. Okay, 6 nil. No, 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 no. no. I shave botak. 6 nil, you shave botak. Okay. Regardless of who's first. So we're going to Captain Salah, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, that's usually our last segment where we talk about who captains. But to me, this is a no-brainer. You have to Captain Salah. I'm thinking Reese James, you know. But then later we talk, lah. Okay. Other games, of course, the first game of the weekend is, of course, Arsenal. You say uh, you are shape botak. <laughs> yes, yes. Arsenal <laughs> sponsored by Manscape, right? <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, Arsenal against Newcastle. Uh, Saturday, eight thirty PM kickoff. Uh, we we saw Newcastle last uh, weekend. Of course, Eddie House first game. Even though he wasn't there because he has got COVID. Uh, but Newcastle, like you mentioned, Vignesh, uh, before we started recording, where seem like a team that's going to score but not keep. The, the goals are the other side. Uh, do you see this being a topsy-turvy game for Arsenal and Newcastle or do you see that Arsenal are going to run out convincing winners? No, I think it's going to be end-to-end, right? Because you have seen Arsenal this season where the first half they play beautiful and mm. then the second half you see the collapse. Yeah. And I feel like that's where you're going to see Newcastle if they're a bit more adventurous, they're going to come forward, they're going to try and press Arsenal and see whether they can get the goal. So I think it's going to be high scoring but I feel like, okay, I've got Emil smith so I'm just hoping get the goals, hopefully we get some points out of him. Would, would you all uh, advise me to keep a hold of uh, Callum Wilson? I, I would think so. I yeah, would think I, so. I, I mean, like, it's uh, it's shocking that he wasn't involved in any of the three Newcastle tell goals. Tell me about it, anyway, man. Say about yeah, but you've got Ramsdale there and that's like the scary... Mm. That's true. That's true. That's true. Actually, that's a good counterpoint, but no, keep lah, keep. <laughs> no, someone once told me, uh, just because uh, there's a keeper there doesn't mean you cannot score. Uh, uh, okay. uh, you know? uh, so, uh, good advice. Who's the guy? <laughs> so I think Callum Wilson probably has a chance, but... Any chance of a genuine upset here? Do you think Newcastle can take? I I don't know why, you know. I just have a sneaky... Because Arsenal, why? No, no. Don't know why. Don't know why. I just feel like Eddie Howe is overdue a result. We saw the new managers come in and got a result. To be fair, I don't know if he's going to be in the dugout. Uh, Hopefully he is and COVID willing, he will be. And I just feel like this is prime for... Newcastle to get a result against Arsenal. I know Arsenal are hurting after that loss to Liverpool and will want to right the wrongs, but I suspect Newcastle will do something. Okay, so what's your prediction? This one, no hair on the line all. Uh, Newcastle 3, Arsenal 2. Newcastle 3, yeah? Okay. Uh, what about you? So I'm waiting at the prospect. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go with Arsenal 3, Newcastle 2. Okay. Arsenal 3, Newcastle 2. Sorry, uh, since you said uh, Newcastle 3, right? Let me just say, if Newcastle really do score 3, and if Callum Wilson doesn't score any or assist any, I, I, no, I quit FPL. I, I will just <laughs> okay. log in and okay. sign out. No, lo- not log in just and sign out. out. What will what, what, what I be doing? I will log in and cancel my FPL. Okay. Yeah, but that is if Newcastle score three and Wilson isn't part of it. Okay. Newcastle haven't won yet, right? This isn't? Yeah, hmm? yeah haven't won. Yeah. Uh, so, to me, my prediction for this game is I think Arsenal will run out victors. Um, but I see this being top seater before. Not because, you know, Arsenal are not good defensively, but I think Newcastle have this... Uh, Pension for the attack. So I think I see Newcastle, uh, Arsenal winning this game 4-3. I think uh, it might be a high scoring game and, and I see it being 4-3. All the uh, AOS come out. Huh? A- AOS is 6 and above. Oh, I'm not a better. I, no, no. I don't advocate for that. <coughs> <coughs> Next game uh, is of course Norwich City against Wolves. Uh, it's a Saturday 11pm kickoff. Uh, Crystal Palace against Aston Villa 11pm kickoff. Brighton against Leeds. It's a Saturday night, Sunday morning 1.30am kickoff. Uh, Brentford at home to Everton is a Sunday 10 p.m. kickoff. Uh, Man City at home to West Ham is a Sunday 10 p.m. 
Leicester City against Watford, Sunday 10pm. Uh, Burnley Spurs uh, is Sunday 10pm. And Chelsea United, Sunday night, Monday morning, 12.30. Uh, two games I want to focus on. Uh, first of all, is actually Leicester City against Watford. We saw Watford, of course... Um, with a fantastic win against Manchester United. Uh, Leicester City struggling against Chelsea. Uh, do you think this result will go a long way in determining where both sides go in this season? Simply because uh, some people might be saying that the Watford win against United was because of how bad United were. Some people were saying that Leicester City, they played that way because it's Chelsea. So I feel like a win for either sides might, you know, give them the platform to go and do well this season. So in that vein, who do you see doing uh, well this game? Two things there. Uh, because I feel Leicester have been fairly sleepwalking throughout the season. I, I think they had that <laughs> standout result against Manchester United. And then apart from that, it's been a bit of a blah season for Leicester. Watford, yes, they were as good as United were bad. But results like that, especially when you're in the lower reaches of the table, give a team so much yeah, confidence. Yeah. A new manager like Claudio Ranieri, so much confidence. And don't forget, Ranieri is going up against his former employers, uh, Leicester. So there'll be some uh, good feel-good factor there. But I feel like with the way Leicester are going now, this will be Watford's best chance of getting a result against them. And I'm looking at the table here, there's only, if I can do the math, there's only two points uh, separating both those teams. So wow. to your point, if Watford win, Watford will leapfrog Leicester in the table. And then earlier in the show, we talked about Brendan Rodgers being under pressure. He could well be under pressure heading into Christmas. Uh, what about you, Vignesh? Do you yeah, see Watford I, winning I this? I think Watford might win this, right? I think that we saw against Everton how they came back and how... Against United, any team, when they considered that first goal against United, when they considered that goal, would have said, okay, let's drop back, let's defend and let's you know try and protect the lead. But I think they went out and said, no, we will press United, we will go up high, we will get the goals. So I feel like if they take on Leicester with this attitude, I think they might just get the result against Leicester because Leicester seem like they're not in it yet. Like against United, they've decided to wake up but for the rest of the games, they've just been like, okay, we'll figure it out, figure it out and they haven't yet. So I think it might be a Watford win for this. All right. Last game to talk about is of course uh, Chelsea against Manchester United. Um, I'm Mark, bro. <laughs> same here, same here. Uh, I I really don't see this being a, even a draw uh, for United. I, I want to specifically talk about uh, predictions and then work my way through how I think the match might pan out. Uh, of course, first and foremost, Harry Maguire suspended for this game. Not uh, a bad thing. Not a bad thing at the moment. Uh, so I, I guess Bailly comes in. With Lindelof. With, with Lindelof. Are you? Yeah, so... <laughs> You've got no right unless, you, unless you're hoping for Phil Jones in this game. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I think Bailly and, uh, and Lindelof will play. Um, I'm judging this based off uh, United against Villarreal. I was quite bothered by what I saw, same as for the games before that, where I don't think much changed. It's just that, like I mentioned, right, the 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 mistake that Villarreal made and then United came through. Uh, I see this being a drubbing. Uh, at least five to me. Wow. I, I think at least five. But I think United will get on the score sheet. I think it's like a 5-1, uh, 5-2 kind of game. Uh, I say at least five to me. You? Wow. I can see why you would say that, but I'm an optimistic guy. Uh, I, uh, Chelsea are rampant, don't get me wrong. Chelsea could well score five or beyond against us, but I just feel both teams have played midweek and stuff like that, and United are in the worst off shape under Carrick, but there is this thing about Carrick because there is a bit of unknown about Carrick. With Ole, I would say 5-0, easy. But under Carrick, I'm not saying Carrick is a saviour, no way. Eh? I'm just saying with Carrick, you don't know how he's going to line up, how he's motivating the players and that could have an impact. Because at the end of the day, I don't think Carrick is auditioning for the interim role. I think he knows uh, that he's stopgap. But that could have an effect. Having said that, 
this assignment against Chelsea couldn't come at a worse time. Chelsea looks so bloody good. I say 3-0 Chelsea lah. Okay, Vignesh? I think we're going to get hammered by Chelsea because I feel like if we play the way we played against Pilaria, we play like that on Sunday, you, you can't expect to say, oh, 60 minutes, then we turn up. After 60 minutes, we choose to turn up against Chelsea, but then game over, right? First half, Chelsea would have scored four and we'd have been done. But Chelsea... Against, I take your point, but uh, Carrick rested two of our best players against uh, Villarreal and then they came off the bench to make the impact. Right? Yeah, but I mean, those are the best players that started against Watford. Okay. Started okay. Against yeah. We haven't shown up. And I feel like if we expected a reaction from United, I think we should have seen it yesterday, right? After all everything that has been said about Ole and everybody saying, oh, thank you, Ole, and all that kind of things, you would have expected some sort of reaction. You come out, guns blazing, you go out, you try and hammer with Villarreal. But we didn't see that. It mm. took us 60 minutes to see United even step up a bit. Mm. So that's the mm. worrying part mm. that nothing much has changed under Carrick. And that if we go into that with this attitude, Chelsea are going to take us apart because it's too easy for them. I mean, if we, we choose to wait the first half and try and figure how we're going to play and turn up for the second half, but then game over. So I think it's going to be like 4-0 Chelsea at least. Yeah. Uh, just to edit my prediction a bit, uh, <laughs> I think that <laughs> I I'm assuming that uh, like I think it's something I said before the Manu Liverpool game. I told you, if Ole doesn't play a back five, we are done for. Uh, then I told you it will be AOS and f- true enough, uh, five new transfer because we play a back four. If somehow Carrick plays a more pragmatic back five, back three, I think we might have a chance. But I don't think that will happen. I don't think Carrick is someone who's going to play a back five or a back three. I think he's going to go with a flat four. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think because of that, he'll be caught out. And I tell you what, I'm saying I'm editing my prediction because I think it'll be at least six. I, if you are listening to so this, go and buy it. If you're talking about back five, who fits in there? Yeah, so I, I would say Luke if Shaw, will come yeah, in Shaw comes in at left and back, Teles has game time this yeah, uh, midweek, yeah, right? Yeah. So that could be something. Or, We've seen McTominay play at centre-back for or Scotland. Mm. Yeah. Or mm. Matic. But to me, because uh, McTominay has played there before, I think you can even put him there. Mm. So to me, it's about tactical system. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be... I, a... I wouldn't, be, wouldn't put it beyond Carrick to play five so? just because of the power of Chelsea's wing-backs. Mm. You might need extra cover. If you go one-on-one against those wing-backs, they're going to eat you up, right? Yeah. So perhaps he might consider Sure, that. might eat, eat them up. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think another worry is how easily Chelsea score from set pieces. Yeah. And how dreadful oh we God. are at mm. defence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is the set piece coach staying on at United? I, I, I understand why Chelsea let him go at this okay. point. Yeah. <laughs> it makes point, a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Because we seem to be, like last week when we saw the first goal Chelsea scored, it seemed like perfect. They planned it, they knew what they were going to do and they got the goal. Mm. Right? And yeah. I feel like if United, with no Maguire, no, we don't seem to have much of an aerial presence there. I don't see Lindelof being much of an aerial presence. I think yeah. we're going to get destroyed in those set pieces. Yeah. Uh, so if you are listening to this show, uh, go and buy yourself a cheeky five dollars on AOS uh, on United Chelsea. And if or you do, it depends number. Uh, <laughs> and if you. if you do win, uh, I hope you you know give back to the final whistle in some way or, or form la. Buy us a coffee. Yeah, buy us a coffee. Uh, the next segment would, would usually be the captain picks, but uh, like we discussed earlier, to me I think it's a straightforward. Mo Salah, I think English for you as well. Yeah, Mo Salah. I'm going to go with Mo Salah for this week. I'm going to go Reese James. Uh. You say one. Uh. I'm going to go Reese James. You cannot, uh, like when I see your team on Saturday <laughs> Maybe night. Maybe I don't even <laughs> have Reese James. No, no. I think Reese James. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I captain Salah against Manchester United. That oh, you did. You did. So I think it's time to. I think, I think we spoke again. about it and we were like, we should have went for the triple <laughs> captain. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think Reese James. Uh. Okay, would yeah. you like to uh, try your trivia again? I will try Newcastle. Nope. Ah. Uh, I got West Brom right, right? Uh, I think by the time you gi- I give you a chance, right, you will <laughs> name every team that's no longer in the Premier League. Give up, give up. So it was uh, West Brom in 2004, 2005, 
Sunderland in 2013. Sunderland what? He didn't, right? I, I, I don't <laughs> Hey! hey. <laughs> Sunderland in 2013, 2014. Uh, and of course, Nigel Pearson's Leicester City. Oh, uh, yeah! In 2014, well 2015. Well done, dude. Before we end the episode, Manchester United won Chelsea nil. Does Carrick get a job? No. Vignesh? No way in hell. Manchester right. United are back! <laughs> no, no, we're not going down that road. And on that note, it's been a wonderful time to have you, Vignesh. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Raushan. See you again next week. Thank you so much. See you Thank soon. You guys.